This is Lincoln's home for sports talk on the FM dial. Also online at theticketfm.com. On the internet. KNTK FM Firth. 93.7 The Ticket. This is On the Block with Stricken Bach. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here as the Big Eight tournament champion. 93-7 the ticket veteran and lover of bread, Jake Bockelman. <laughs> what? I like bread. Coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. This is On the Block with Stricken Buck. Hold up. Welcome back. Welcome back to On the Block. This is E. Strick. I'm Jake. My partner, Jake. I'm not Jake. That is my partner, Jake Bakovin. We're in the second hour of On the Block with Stricken Bach. We're going to talk a little bit about USC football and what they were able to accomplish and what does that mean for the Trojans as well as the potential of the loss of the likes of a five-star missing out for Wisconsin and what it could have meant for them. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about those things, delve into it. We have a good second half of the hours coming up on the block on 93.7 The Ticket, The Ticket FM. Get on the app, follow us on all platforms. We're glad to have you here tonight. Jake Bakovin, we find out today, today we found out, finally, it seemed like it was it was a long time coming. Caleb Williams has made a decision and will be joining his former coach, Lincoln Riley, there at USC. The awesome thing and the crazy thing about it is he didn't announce it like LeBron did in the method of the great reveal. <laughs> he did it, though, by way of video. He did it on his uh, his Instagram. He posted it, and he shut down all speculation of a potential exit <laughs> to uh, the Power 5 schools that were also in the mix, which were Wisconsin and UCLA. Many figured that Williams would follow Riley and become a Trojan, messing with the hearts of the Badgers and playing with the emotions of the Bruins right next door to him down there in L.A. So, Bach, my question to you is, how do you think this edition of Williams will do for the immediate future of the Trojans. Well, it's fascinating. It kind of jump starts and them right into the expectations being there right away, right? I mean, um, I know they've done well outside of just you know Caleb Williams, but he's the headliner, of course. Of course, he should be. Um, you look at all the, the the kind of rankings. I think Lane Kiffin uh, dubbed himself the the Portal King, and then after um, USC made their move today, he said, "Okay, USC is the Portal King," and that's how it looks in the transfer portal rankings too. USC clearly at the top, and and as well you should be. Caleb Williams um, had he started from the beginning out there in Norman maybe would have been right up there for the Heisman. I mean, he's the one guy that kind of was able to get um, enough attention somewhat on his own, right? I mean, obviously Bryce Young um, was there all year, but it was kind of figured that the Alabama quarterback was going to put up stats. Should be kind of the same way in Oklahoma, but it wasn't going that way with Spencer Rattler. So Caleb Williams um, kind of uh, sparked that team a few times. Um, for what it's worth, it wasn't always pretty. I mean, he, he didn't score the first half against Kansas. That's not that's not pretty. He had another game where they ended up bringing Rattler back in uh, because he was being ineffective. So um, I think sometimes we got to pause and remember that he is a, he's still a college quarterback, a young 
young college quarterback with not a whole lot of experience. But at the same time, I mean, he was the one guy that kind of um, developed that 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 following. And if he would have played from the beginning of the year, he might have been right there uh, in the case of, you know, to win the Heisman, uh, where I know a lot of people got upset and say, what is this? Just, you know, Alabama or Ohio State, the quarterback award, uh, whoever's going to win, whoever's in that spot, uh, you know, is better than everybody else. And that frustrated people. But Caleb Williams just didn't play enough games um, to be in that conversation in my mind, and, and ultimately that caught up to him. But now heading out to USC, it's, it's interesting because we talked to Barry Trammell before of the Oklahoma, and he said that, uh, you know, that the, 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 the Caleb Williams, the Williams family, was uh, just about as surprised and appalled as anyone for Lincoln Riley's quick exit out of Norman um, over to USC. But uh, it took a few months. It looks like he's forgiven him and he's ready to commit to the coach that he originally committed to um, that he thought gave him the best chance at his goals moving forward, whether that's NFL or winning the Heisman or whatever his goals are. Um, Lincoln, You could do much worse than Lincoln Riley. And so, um, you know, going on out there, it, it immediately changes the way that you look at the Pac-12. It immediately changes how quick you expect USC um, to be a contender out there, um, now with one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. Um, and sadly, it, it changes the way that I was looking at Wisconsin for a game or two, which I, I know a lot of fans here don't like Wisconsin, so fair enough um, if you're celebrating as a Husker fan that Caleb Williams didn't go to Madison. Um, but I thought for the Big Ten, that would have just been so fascinating, so fun to watch. Um, and now he's kind of the face of the Pac-12. So, that, I mean, that's that's how big of a move it was, is that he kind of could have been the face of whatever conference he was transferring to. Well, I, I think there's two things the way that, that you can look at that, right? There's there's the aspect that Lincoln Riley had a pretty good track record with regards to quarterbacks, right? You had Baker Mayfield that had come through and then, you know, just Kyler Murray who were – were top quarterbacks taken out of the NFL draft. So, you know, that is his aspiration is, is that he wanted to be, he wants to be an NFL quarterback. And he believes, I think that Lincoln Riley is one of the sources to help him get there. Um, You know, it seems that he has a West coast flair flavor flavor to him. So he, you know, getting back out that way is not something that, um, you know, he, he just seems like he's got that kind of West coast flair to him. You know, he seems like, a West Coast Pac-10 style of quarterback as well, you know, with, with that, you know, in the likes of like a Mariota and, and, and those guys that have come out out of there on that West side. Um, I would also say that for Wisconsin, a lot of the things that they thought and the reason they thought they had a chance is because they have a very pro style of offense. They felt that maybe, you know, landing him or, or in, in also the relationship that he had um, um, with, with the new coach that's coming in there. Uh, my mind is, uh, shoot, I just drew a blank. Oh, um, for Oklahoma? his dad. Oh, no, for, okay. Okay. Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah. His dad, his dad, I, I think they played together in, in, in college. I, my mind just drew a blank. Um, but nonetheless, there was a relationship there and they thought that maybe that would help. Uh, to land him. But um, another thing is that they really felt that that pro style could have drawn him in, but then they just haven't had a track record, you know, of just putting those top tier type quarterbacks out there um, as of now. So now with that, um, you know, let's, let's, let's turn to it. Do, do um, you know, when we look at Wisconsin, you know, they have a desire that they want to develop quarterbacks, right? Wisconsin feels that they, want to be better at that point right now. Graham Mertz is somebody that they don't feel strong about. And then they have a gentleman by the name of Chase Wolf 
that's, uh, you know, Mertz played 13 games for them. And that that could be a pretty potential quarterback problem in the passing game where it rakes 83rd in the, in the FBS and, <clears throat> excuse me. And then, um, you know, their passing yards per completion is like 11 or 12 and 105th in team efficiency, 120th in pass offense. You know, they, they're, they were very bad, right? Yeah. So, you know, there's not much to look in their backup for Chase. They did re- recruit a young fella, a three-star recruit, um, 41st uh, ranked quarterback, seventh ranked in the state of Wisconsin. He, his name is Miles Burkett. He led the the uh, his high school there, Franklin, to a 14-0 record in the Division I state championships there. Had a 71 completion rate, uh, 3,400 yards over that, 36 touchdowns with only four interceptions. Um, but, again, inexperience, right? So they, 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 they were hoping to land somebody. Now I do have a question as we jump back over to Caleb Williams. What do you think um, – it took so long. Why do you think it took so long for him to make the decision? Do you think he was still kind of opening it up, weighing out all the possibilities, seeing if a big name jumped out there, you know, to 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 land him possibly? Or do you just think, you know, he was just really trying to weigh it out and, and, and assess whether or not, you know, he really wanted to get back under Lincoln Riley? What do you think? What do you think it is? Well, it's fascinating yeah, it because I think he was like the biggest name in the portal that we've seen so far. And obviously we've seen some big names enter the portal. But um, he, he when his name hit the portal, I was thinking it might take two million to land this guy. Right. And so that's what I was kind of thinking is that NIL maybe deals you were he's probably getting different calls every day from different schools about what they could put together. Or, you know, maybe not the schools. Right. With the NIL, you kind of have to do it through backward channels. But either way, the, <laughs> I think the schools know what's going on. Um, so it's uh, that's kind of what I figured was going on. The fact yeah. that he ended up going to USC and kind of sticking uh, and USC probably has great NIL opportunities right there in Los Angeles, right? I mean, he can kind of build, build his profile there, maybe more so than a lot of different college towns across the nation, you would think. Um, but at the same time, um, there's like a natural football connection, a football reason to go to USC. So I, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated overall um, that that's why I thought it kind of took a long time. And that was the, the part of the story that I was maybe more fascinated than, than any reason is because th- this new world of the NIL and the biggest um, free agent that we saw out there is that is that what was kind of taking him the long you know so long to figure it out and um it it looks like that may not have been the case because ultimately he follows his head coach which is uh pretty normal in the transferring world so you kind of wonder what happened there um if wisconsin was in the battle because of that or if wisconsin was in the battle like you said because of the connection um with uh, their new offensive coordinator bobby ingram was the name um yeah yeah that's um, it bobby ingram so, i knew it was gosh dang it yeah, yeah but either way it's it's, mm-hmm. it's 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 just fascinating but like you said with wisconsin it's 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 back to the drawing board. It's back to where Wisconsin traditionally is. I mean, they're, they're still probably going to be favorites in the Big Ten West. You still have Braylon Allen in one of the best defenses, you know. But it's the same Wisconsin recipe, which is run game and defense, which is great. But but the offense, the, the passing game can't be that bad as it was last mm-hmm. year for them to take that step up from being you know an average Wisconsin team to a Rose Bowl type of Wisconsin team. I don't know if they're back there, but I do know that it feels like their ceiling is 
is significantly lower without that Caleb Williams, obviously, because he's the difference maker. I mean, he's the Russell Wilson that can mm-hmm. you can put in that sort of offense, and all of a sudden they go from uh, you know a potential ten and two team to a conference champion and and maybe college football playoff contender. Um, so that's what I'm a little bit sad about Wisconsin. I would have liked to have the big bad wolf basically in the Big Ten West. I don't think you have that. So I mean, it, in in one way that's good for Nebraska. Um, because, you know, obviously the, the division's there for the taking. Um, but in the other way, just as far as the buildup and I think the progression of the Big Ten West, uh, it, it, it hurts a little bit. And just the flirtation is all that really hurts. I mean, it's not like they had him and lost him. It was just the fact that he was in the they were in the conversation. So um, it, it allowed us to kind of think beyond typical Big Ten West reasoning and thinking uh, for just a minute. But he's off to USC and USC. Um, I, I think I, I think the fascinating part about that is now is expected to win the Pac-12 and maybe be a top 10, 15 type of team um, coming off a four and eight season, which I don't care who you are. That's difficult turnaround. That's a great turnaround. Absolutely. No question about it. Let's stay in the Big Ten, though. You know, we see that Harbaugh has been talking with the Vikings a little bit. Some are speculating whether or not that would be a great spot for him. But some are also talking about how big of a loss that would be for Michigan as well as the Big Ten. So what are your thoughts with regards to him transitioning over? I know my thoughts, but let's hear what Jake Bakovin has to say about it. What do you feel that um, the loss of a hardball would do not only for Michigan, but also for the Big Ten? Well, again, a little disheartened as a Big Ten fan because I thought that at least hopefully it was going to need to be the right job for Jim Harbaugh to jump off to the NFL. Then, you know, as we've gone on, you know, they've been connected with the Bears and the Vikings and the and the, and the Dolphins. And, and none of them are necessarily that fit into that right job to begin with category, but more so it just seems like he's – kind of made up his mind tomorrow being signing day, if he's going to have his interview tomorrow with the Vikings. I mean, it looks like he's moving on from Michigan, which is is fine. And I wonder how people are responding to that in Ann Arbor because um, you look back at his seven-year tenure there and just beating Ohio State once, if, if that's what you were told when they hired him, would you be excited about his tenure there? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, overall, it has, you know, he stabilized Michigan, brought him back to that top 15 type of program type of level, which is what they needed uh, when they when they brought him in. They had failed with a few previous coaches, Brady Hoax and Jim Harbaugh, not Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh's the guy there, uh, Brady Hoax uh, of the past that, that didn't work out, Rich Rodriguez being the other major miss for them. Um, so I, I think that, it, that that where they are right now, they could get a nice coach. They could, um, I, I think one of the ideas would be to promote Josh Gaddis, who is the Broyles Award winner, a hot young offensive coordinator for them. Um, some of the other favorites I've seen are Bill O'Brien or Matt Campbell are out there um, as potential replacements. But either way, you're not we're not replacing the star power of Jim Harbaugh. And now when I look back at it, um, it was just such a big deal when Harbaugh and Meyer and Urban Meyer were entering the Big Ten Conference. They went from, you know, kind of mediocre coaches to now they're competing with the SEC with the best coaches in the nation. While I still think the depth is really good, um, you, you don't really recover from losing an Urban Meyer and a Jim Harbaugh pretty quickly. Um, you know, it, it takes a while to kind of build up and, and get those type of brand names or big names at the college level within your conference. And it wouldn't be easy for Michigan um, and, it, and it won't be easy for the Big Ten. But again, it's the same thing with the Caleb Williams discussion. If you're looking at it from the Nebraska point of view, where um, okay, now there's there's less uh, of of a big bear on the other side of the, the you know the sideline. Especially you know we saw the Nebraska Michigan game. There was plenty of um, 
things to argue about uh, um, that game. We heard like two new calls that you never heard in the game of college football before. Um, complaints about clapping. You know, th- it was kind of a nice little rivalry that we had fun with um, between Harbaugh and Frost. And of course, it wasn't as fun for Nebraska fans as they never got on the winning side of that. But um, for Nebraska fans, um, it, it does make the Big Ten, if he does leave, a little more bearable. But the, pro- the Nebraska's dug their own hole so far that, the, that really the problem is Nebraska. It's not the opponent at this point in time. So, um, you know, it, it's hard to get too excited about any sort of movement um, there and whether that will open up something for Nebraska. Well, so some things that I found is interesting as I began to look into Jim Harbaugh, I mean, I think he does have a wonderful name. He's, he's had some success. He's won quite a you know a bit of games other than his first two seasons at Stanford in 07 and 08. I mean, being four and eight and five and seven, um, you know, he began to make that program, which really put his name on the on the block, so to speak. Yeah, is uh, you know in 09 turned it around, started a you know an uptrend at eight and five, and then boom, in 2010 had the big one, you know, a great run at 12 and one. And then being getting as high as fourth in the country and then uh, landing an Orange Bowl win, which, you know, that was significant. Then the next year um, he, he finds himself back. He makes another stint, another run, and then comes back and in 15, finds himself at Michigan and gets off to a great start at 10 and three and, uh, and wins the Citrus Bowl. But then it all goes downhill from there. See, that's the thing that I think that even though we have Harbaugh, I think that he, you know, you can kind of put in place that he just could never win the big one, right? You you see, other than that Stanford 2010 season at 12 and one, though he's only had really three losing seasons, the first two at Stanford, and then that one where it was two and four at 2020 during the COVID uh, season. But, um, you know, he's always been a 12 or a 10 and three, a 10 and three, a nine and four type of coach just never been able to win the big ones and then would lose the ones that he wasn't supposed to. And so it made him very mediocre. Another thing I saw is that he's only won two bowl games out of six. I mean, he's two and he's two. Let me see. Yeah. He's two and six, hmm. two and yeah, two and seven because he lost this, just this recent orange bowl. He's two and seven in bowl games. And, and that was back in 10 and 15. So, those are the things that I think when I look at him, I, I had to say, you know, maybe it was time for him to make the shift. I mean, maybe he didn't see that there was greener pastures uh, still left for him at Michigan. What's, what, what, how do you view it? Yeah, I mean, that's how I, I think it is. Ultimately, he was asked to after that two and four year. Um, it's it's kind of well known around here because Scott Frost basically doing the same thing this past year is after a, a bad year, they asked him to restructure his contract and make it uh, a little more team friendly, which you don't usually hear at, at the college coach um, level. But that's what he did. And, and so, you know, I think this redemption story this past year was very cool. And it all um, came to, uh, you know, the, the, the glorious conclusion for him and in the fans in Ann Arbor of beating Ohio State in the snow uh, at the big house and everybody kind of, you know, running onto the field, winning the Big Ten championship. That's something Michigan fans have been clamoring for for a long time. It's tough to do. So it's almost like that he feels like he hit his ceiling. He's not a coach, like you said, um, that has gone undefeated before. He's been in the Super Bowl. I mean, he's been in the college football playoff now, so he's taken his teams to the highest levels, um, but never quite been the the, the guy that goes undefeated. It's kind of interesting, too, because – 
just the way he is. I mean, he's certainly a football guy, right? If you like football, you'd like to be around Jim Harbaugh. Um, so I don't think that there's a, a problem. He's been able to, to coach at the NFL and college level. Um, but he just, you know, sometimes you worry about coaches when they go from the college level. Um, maybe even Nick Saban or, or, you know, Aaron Meyer, the most recent uh, example is, you know, you, you have to treat your players differently. Urban obviously didn't treat his kickers very well, but you, you can't, like, talk down to them. I mean, they're professionals now. This isn't coaching. You're not... Uh, there to be you know a father figure you're there to be you're their head coach now it's a professional setting um and uh and Jim kind of seems like a guy that that would maybe rub some guys the wrong way in that way but he did he didn't I mean he's obviously had success at the NFL level um so I think whatever team gets him will be excited it just feels maybe that maybe it's the the struggle to beat Ohio State the struggle to beat Michigan State Michigan um that he you know other than this past year at in Ann Arbor he didn't live up to the hype um so I don't think that he's at the same level where he would have been when he took that Michigan job when he could have had almost any job in the NFL and at the college level that he wanted ended up going with Michigan it doesn't feel that way now he kind of going in and out of interviews in the NFL and looking for a spot and I'd still think he'd be solid but I don't think there's this belief that he's one of the you know yeah. top five coaches in in football and period. It's right coming now. out. Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that sums it up. I mean, you know, we'll see. We wish him well. Uh, whatever he decides to do, and and hopefully that Michigan will land a, a top tier uh, um, guy to lead the program and uh, continue to keep the Big Ten strong. And 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 uh, I mean, I don't. I, I think the one good thing about it is you know Harbaugh didn't leave him in bad hands oh, yeah. I mean, he didn't leave him and know, he hasn't left him yet it's not it's not official or anything <laughs> yeah, it hasn't it hasn't been official you know regardless yeah if he leaves it doesn't he didn't he didn't leave him bad off you yeah know what i mean he left him with at least something if he does decide to make that transition or he does come back and i think he still has a couple of years i think up until 2024 i believe is when his contract would be over so um yeah so after this we'll take a break right now we'll come back we'll talk a little bit about tom brady the goat's retirement and he's made it official and we'll also delve into another coach that may be making a transition and that is josh mcdaniel we'll talk a little bit about that in the next segment right back on the block <laughs> 